Welcome to Steelcast, Heart of Steel UK's podcast about all things related to steel. Our processes, our products, our customers, our people and our communities. My name is Tim Rutter and in this latest series I'm talking to experts and key stakeholders about climate change, sustainability and decarbonisation. In this latest Steelcast mini-series about decarbonisation, we're talking to a variety of industry experts who were recently present at the first ever UK Metals Expo. In this episode, we catch up with Professor Cameron Plydell Pierce, Heart of Steel sponsored lecturer at Swansea University, who is not only sharing a stand at Metals Expo representing the Sustain Initiative alongside the Transforming Foundation Industries Network, but he's also been a keynote speaker. Cam is a longtime friend of the industry and was instrumental in setting up the Steel and Materials Institute at Swansea University with Tata Steel. We caught up with him on the second day of the show. It's amazing at exhibitions like this who you come across as you wander around and uh, today at the UK Metals Expo I just wandered past this stand here said sustain on it and uh, here's our old friend Cameron Plydor Pierce from uh, Swansea University. Cam great to see you again and I think we missed your speech it was yesterday and we're only here today but uh, tell us what are you doing here at the show UK's Metals Expo and uh, what was your speech about yesterday? Okay so I'm here wearing two hats I suppose ultimately so uh, part of my role is, is to lead the sustain future steel manufacturing research hub which is looking at fundamental research support for the whole of the UK steel industry uh, over a long period of time so a nice good steady uh, piece of funding to support uh, the future of the UK steel industry yeah. and the other hat that I'm wearing is for the transforming foundation industries network plus and and that's about how do we take some of the things that we're learning in the steel industry and and use those to benefit other foundation industries so paper cement uh, glass bulk chemicals for example and uh, ceramics and how are we going to benefit those other um, those other sectors and then also looking at well what are they doing in those sectors and what can we learn in the steel industry and apply back in the steel industry yeah. uh, and and it's for, for the transforming foundation industries project that's broader than just steel it's also about all of the other metals producers so your aluminium titanium and those those other sectors within the UK that, that can benefit from that and a much wider range of um, a foundry and uh, specialist specialist metals providers um, across the UK. Yeah, and it's interesting. It seems to be a theme of today. And although I introduced you to Swansea University, you're actually one of us, aren't you? You know, you're a, <laughs> kind of a, a steel guy through and through, aren't you? And it, and and, and uh, you know, we're grateful for all the support you give us over the years. But you know, when you talk about other industries there and other metals, this is a metals expo. It's not a steel expo. I was talking to Gareth Stace earlier from UK Steel, and he was saying how beneficial it is to open our eyes to these other industries, and he was talking about metals industries, but there you talked about paper and concrete and so forth, to say what are the learnings, because there've got to be a lot of issues, especially when we talk about sustainability, decarbonisation, innovation, you know, I was talking to Matthew Teague earlier about modern methods of construction, some of the solution technologies, there's got to be a lot of common ground there, hasn't there, for us? Well, there's some of the really obvious things like uh, heat, for example. So most of these industries you know, will fall into that caption of, of energy intensive. So they share a lot of challenges in terms of waste heat. How are we going to utilise that? How are we either going to re-employ that back into the system or how are we going to distribute that for, for other benefit, whether that's social social housing, for example. So you know some of the social good that some of these industries can be doing and, and re-employing back in. Some of it's around common cha- te- technical challenges around, around digitisation. So a lot of these businesses are looking to more heavily instrument their processes, use models to help improve their productivity and and, and benefit um, their their bottom line that way. 
But there are also some more specific things that you might not expect on sort of very specific areas of technology where, where um, industries can collaborate. So one really good example of that is a project that's running through the Transforming Foundation Industries Challenge between Tata actually uh, and NSG looking at how they can collaborate on coatings. Right. And there's a lot of work there where they're looking at using digital methods for coatings formulations and they're already identifying in working together across those two different sectors between steel and glass, how they can collaborate. Uh, and, and they're identifying that a lot of the challenges that they have in terms of improving their products and providing better durability and better function in applications for their customers, they're almost identical, mm -hmm. you know? And I think the more that we can do that across the uh, Transforming Foundation Industries Challenge and the more we can bring people together through the Network Plus, hopefully the more examples like that we'll be able to produce. Yeah, it is interesting because I think when people talk about the steel industry and its decarbonisation challenges, they think of the tall button, the blast furnaces and alternative technologies, but there's just as much challenge at the other end of the scale as, as I said, Matthew Teague was talking about the construction sector, about saying, well, you know, what are modern, modern methods of construction? What are the new technologies? What are the new innovative coatings and so forth that, that help that journey towards decarbonisation? But, you know, I wonder, I, I, I sit here and I wonder, you know, you, you must look at our industry from outside and you must kind of take a deep breath because we're on the verge of some step change that we've never seen before, to the scale we've never seen before, because, you know, our industry, the Tata Steel in the UK, is, is facing arguably a single big technology change to make that big change in its uh, its net zero ambitions mm. and that might change almost everything for you as you look in and, and say well how do we innovate how what are we doing about energy because all of a sudden we're going from a coal-based technology to potentially an electric based technology where's that electricity come from you know are you having to kind of have one eye on the future and one eye on the, on the present so i guess if you're in industry this is kind of almost a stressful time because there's some very big decisions to be made with lots of money to be spent and it's going to be have a very significant effect on the viability of the future of your business going forward um, from the outside looking in, as you put it, I mean, I guess coming from an academic perspective, there's never been a more exciting time to be involved yeah. in the metals industry. Yeah. You know, you know, whatever you're doing now, whoever you're speaking to, whatever projects you're involved in, they're going to have some influence on huge, very, very significant change. I think almost everything that we're working on at the moment, it's it's well beyond hypothetical. You know, we're not really sort of thinking, oh, it could be this or it could be that. We know that a revolution is is really upon us, yeah. and I. You mentioned, just to sort of link into the first thing that you mentioned, you mentioned about the end user. And I think that's where the revolution already is, right. that perhaps some of the metals producers haven't quite grasped yet, because I'm having similar uh, conversations with, you know, big, you mentioned the construction sector, I'm talking to some of the construction companies, and I know that they've got projects on their books now that from the design stage, I've got specific very very stringent EPD mm -hmm. so uh, carbon um, intensity um, requirements for some of their steel products about 40% of their um, of their carbon footprint is embedded in the materials that they use in these projects and so there's this huge opportunity for uh, especially the steel industry to have uh, become decarbonization providers and there's a massive mm -hmm. mindset mm -hmm. switch I think that needs to happen there in the metals industry yeah. it's no longer about providing material it's about saying well we can decarbonize 40% of your business yeah. uh, not just I mean you, you consider steel and, and probably cement and concrete is probably the two biggest vectors in the construction area those two sectors are decarbonization providers for the construction sector yeah. Yeah, it's an and so the whole yeah. the whole way that the the, um, 
the whole way that the supply chain is going to be structured is going to be dominated by that. It's going to be dominated by what the designer is asking for. And the designers are asking for those things because they know that the public are going to be demanding this. Or government procurement. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think that is um, probably, we've got to respond to that. So as technically focused people, as, as academics, um, as industrialists, we've got to find those technical challenges yeah, um, yeah. and do something about them. Yeah, and it's really difficult, isn't it? You know, I was talking to Gareth Stace earlier about um, the need for collaboration. Everyone's talking collaboration. I think, you know, we're, we're doing some amazing stuff, collaborating with academic and peer industries and so on and so forth. But collaborating with the government, Gareth Stace was saying about the need for this single technology change for the government to support it financially and legislatively. But I wonder from the world of academia, what support you think you can give uh, to the case for decarbonising industries such as steel to government and whether it's just a case of supporting us or whether there's anything more directly you can do to influence the stakeholders in government. So I think there is, is of course a role for, for academia. I think one of the big roles that we have in terms of the conversations that we have with government, perhaps I'll come on to what we're actually doing in a second, is that there is a degree of impartiality that comes with that. I mean, the, the credentials of the academics is about trying as far as possible to be factually correct, balanced and objective. Um, and so, you know, that's not prejudiced by commercial concerns. And I think that's where there's a real benefit there, because I guess in especially in some of the unilateral discussions that happen between companies and, and, and people in government, there will be a natural an inevitable natural scepticism as you to, would so, say you, that wouldn't you yeah, yeah yeah you would say that because you're asking us for yeah. x million pounds or whatever it is yeah. to support this individual technology implementation or whatever it is yeah. i think the role of the academics in this is really to, to to have those um to have those discussions where we're providing some of the evidence base that's what sustain is trying to do and mm. um, and we're involved in um also uh, directly involved in some of these four that government are organising. So there's there's working groups at the moment trying to connect the scrap supply chain to the steel makers at the moment, and we've got a representation on that. Um, we're, we're really trying to, to feed more directly into government in terms of providing advice and, and, and thinking about how they need to structure their their policies um, yeah. into the future. Yeah, and I think that input into the, into the end users is also important. And one of the things I slightly worry about is that kind of the end users in construction will be the designers or the specifiers or the architects will be putting pressure on their their suppliers or the, or the contractors and the contractors will be putting pressure on the, the system supplier and, and, and all through the chain they're just pushing it back saying the steel industry's role is to reduce its carbon footprint and that's it when actually you know surely there's a role for, for the experts in the steel industry and come together with people like yourself to go right down to the sharp end and say if you think about this in advance there's a whole load of stuff we can do to help. Yeah. You know, the answer from the steel industry is not just to care about replacing a blast furnace with an electric arc furnace. There's a whole lot more we should do. Is that is that still true? Do you think? It, it is very true. Uh, I, I think one of the, if you zoom out a little bit about what's the role of metals, and again, I'll sort of come back to more of this about providing a service or providing a solution. There aren't many people in the supply chain who have a detailed knowledge of the material, so that. The, the people in the construction area, I hope they don't, if they're watching this, they don't <laughs> mind me saying this, that, you know, they'll buy on a spec and yeah. they know that the spec will deliver a certain function. So whether that's form or mechanical properties or how long it's going to last in service, yeah. um, corrosion, whatever. Um, and then they say, right, okay, it'll perform against that spec and it'll go. But, but 
the future of construction, the future of most materials use is going to be about managing that material through its life cycle. To do that, you've got to understand a lot about the material, how it's going to behave, what it's going to do. Mm. And if you're going to be able to do that, you need to have detailed knowledge of the material, how it was produced. The nuances of that particular batch could make a difference to yeah, some yeah. of these things. And the steel industry or the metals providers in the UK, they have all of that knowledge. Mm. And at the moment, they're not making best value of it. Mm. At the moment, they're just selling on a spec and it's going out the door. Yeah. When really, they have that opportunity to engage more directly with those end users. From an academic perspective, in some of the direct um, conversations that I'm having, again, in the construction sector, you know, I'll give you one example. It's never that simple. So uh, one uh, person from a large construction company was having a conversation with me and they were saying that we're, we've, we've received a mandate in our design spec of a certain proportion of recycled content in all of the products that we've got to use. Right. But a lot of the, 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 the beams, for example, in, in this example, that we need that provide the open plan space that the designer wants and allows us to you know, drill holes in certain, have the properties that allow us to drill holes in certain places so that we can run all of the cabling, yeah. so that they can get all of that high-tech high building management systems and all that sort of stuff in place. The only place we can source that from at the moment is from virgin material because we don't have a strong enough grasp of the 100% the scrap fed material supply chain to be able to deliver products that have that high enough yeah. grade. Yeah. The people who are designing the buildings don't understand it. Yeah. They're perf it's perfectly valid for them to say, <laughs> yeah. put more recycled material in. Yeah. Because if they put more recycled material in, they're, they're assu instantly assuming that they're gonna reduce the carbon footprint of the material. But what yeah. they don't realize is that if they do that, it's going to have a potential effect on the properties and the lifetimes of, that those materials might have in service, which yeah. doesn't deliver the function for the building that they envisage in the first place. Yeah. And they're sort of providing a restriction against their own vision. It's a real complex story, isn't it? And so it? There is a, there's a real role for that materials knowledge to feed, as you said, right to the sharp end. And I think yeah. unless it does, we're going to make a lot of unintended mistakes yeah. in our pathway yeah. to net zero, particularly in the construction sector. Now I know this exhibition here today is the first of its kind where the metals industry has come together and great to see you guys here as well. But uh, you know, what do you think the benefit of bringing the industry together like this is on a, on a regular basis? Because we haven't really done it since at least before the pandemic and maybe longer than that. Well, we spoke earlier on about sharing common goals across different foundation industries. Obviously that's even more true just within the metal sector itself. Yeah. Um, I think it, there's a nice social element to this as well. It just reminds us that there is a critical mass still in the UK, yeah. both from the industrial perspective in terms of, and, and we, here we've got not just producers, but fabricators, people who are selling uh, characterization equipment, people supporting on uh, supply chain, people supporting on digitalization. It becomes increasingly obvious that actually we do have a lot of the pieces of the puzzle that are required to transform mm. the metal supply chain in the UK and a good mix of, of, of the sort of the forward thinkers from the academic side and some of those technology providers and the, the big players um, from a production perspective as well. Yeah. It reminds us that all of those things are here all, and all we've got to do is just coordinate ourselves. And, 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 yeah, and, and simple as that. Yeah. Well, it's better than starting from, from having nothing there. Yes, it is. And, yeah. and, and I think that's yeah. what the Metals Expo has really, has really you know, yeah. demonstrated to me. That's the big takeaway that I'll take from, yeah. from the shows. Listen, Cam, thanks very much for your time. I know you've got a busy stand to man and uh, lots of people to talk to. But, Cheers. yeah, really good to see you again. Cheers. And uh, thanks for your insight into to where we're at. And I'm sure we'll come across you again shortly. Thanks very much, Tim. It was great to catch up with Cam at the show. He is a font of knowledge and I could have talked to him all day. But he's only on the doorstep of Put All But Works, so there's no danger of him becoming a stranger. In the last episode, Anil Janji, our chief commercial officer, talked about the huge potential of collaboration. 
it is, in his view, the very future way of working. And certainly Tata Steel seems to be as collaborative as any industry, especially with institutions such as Swansea University. The thing that has struck me most, having spoken to people in different parts of the supply chain and the external influencers during the show, is the common understanding of the need and the value of decarbonising industries such as steel. And there seems a very real understanding, not only of the contributions that can be made by each part of the supply chain, but also the progress that is already being made. Cam said, there has never been a more exciting time to be in the metals industry with the pace of change going on and the changes that are still ahead of us. And I've been getting an overwhelming sense of positivity, determination and expectation of fundamental changes being driven by the climate change agenda. The caveat to all of that, however, may have come from our first interview with Gareth Stace from UK Steel, where he warned that without financial and legislative intervention from the UK government, these opportunities could be put at risk. Then where does that leave UK PLC? The question may be whether the market can or will drive change regardless of such interventions taking place. And that may depend on whether net zero has a financial value or becomes an entry level requirement for businesses to exist. Thanks for listening to this episode of Steelcast. Please let us know what you think about the topics we're discussing or any other aspects of decarbonisation and sustainability you'd be interested in hearing about. If you want to keep up to date with the latest happenings in Tart Steel UK and in this series, our journey towards decarbonisation, please do subscribe to Steelcast through Podbean, Spotify, Apple or wherever else you get your podcasts. See you next time.